like to give everybody out there listening a very warm White Cat welcome because you're tuned in to the White Cat Outdoors podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Tom from White Cat Outdoors kicking off episode 37 of the White Cat Outdoors podcast. I'm in the studio tonight along with Nick Soboleski. How is everybody doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. It's been uh it's been a wild week. We're glad to be in the studio a little It's been a wild day actually. Yeah, that too. But uh glad to be in the studio just kicking it with the boys. It's just a little late than later than usual, but uh fixing up a boat trailer for my old my old grandpa and uh calling him old? What the hell? He's not old. He's I mean he's I mean, he's, he's a grandpa. But uh he's in really good shape. I mean he's still Goes out turkey hunting and deer hunting with us every year. So, so uh, Tom, episode 37 of the White Cat Outdoors podcast. What are, we, what are we talking about today? Well, as you guys know, archery season is... Well, by the time you're listening to this, probably... Well, it's going to be different for listeners in every state. But for us, it's going to be a month away. And we're going to talk about early season archery hunting... So October-ish? October, correct. And something that, it's a real hot topic, hunting and in the Controversial. Yes. Eel. Sorry, we started drinking before the podcast. Um, you'd think after 37 episodes we would know not to do that, but sometimes it just, all right. Tom's over there fingering his pudding cup. Thanks for the pause. Yeah. In there. Just dramatic pause for effect. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was that's our fault, um, but I'm not sorry for it. So. No. Why would you be? So, like I said, or actually Tom said it. We're talking about October hunting, and you know the tactics we use uh, to you know hopefully give ourselves the advantage we need, and also want to cover hunting in the rain uh, specifically with uh, archery equipment because uh, there's a lot of People that are, you know, question whether that's uh, ethical or not. Like I said, we'll get into it. Um, but without further ado, I want to talk to Tom here. Um, basically, what we're going to do here is we'll break it down. Tom's going to tell me how he decides his morning setup for October, and then I'm going to give mine, and then we can kind of bounce some ideas off each other, and then we'll do the same thing for midday into evening and kind of just see. Because I know me and Tom, we hunt a little bit different. Um, but we still get to the end product, so. I get to the end product. Nick, how many uh, tags did you fill last year? Honestly, it was almost a year ago, so. I honestly, I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I, I, I wouldn't want to guess. Zero. I wouldn't want to guess. So. I get to the end product. So, here's how I approach morning hunts, early archery season, okay? So, my my big thing pretty much all year is food. I know you got guys telling you, oh, you don't want to hunt food. You don't want to hunt bedding. You want to hunt the transition area in between food and bedding. But Are no. you saying that because you know that I like transition areas? Oh, is that where you hunt, Nick? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh. We had no idea. Yeah. That's no. all right. But yeah, I'm a I'm a big food guy. I don't like I'm not a big bedding guy. I I think the bedding should be left 
as a sanctuary. I don't I don't want to go in betting. I know Nick disagrees, but that's I just... No, I'm not, I ain't going to say nothing about it. Go ahead and so, tell your side of the story. Here's the other thing. So, morning hunts are tough because, you know... You drank all the night before. That's a usually a big part of it, especially on a weekend. But any hooser, the deer, they're typically out in the field. You know, it's still dark out. You're trying to get into your spot. And... Mornings, I kind of shy away from food only because the deer, that's where they're at right now. They're in the food. So it's tough to, you know, walk to your tree stand at the bottom of your food plot and not kick deer out of it. You know what I mean? So that's in the morning. That's where I try and find, you know, the path from food to bedding. What would you call that area tom i would call it a area where it maybe call it like it is it's a transition area yeah it would yeah but here's the thing <laughs> there i have set up some spots where it's ideal where you can get in to the food source without kicking anything up so you're basically like sneaking through the woods up to the food plot instead of walking through the food correct Yes. Okay. I, I don't like... And obviously you have to have access to the other side of the property to do so. I mean, that's not something that's feasible for everybody. But in Correct. in the case that you have access to both sides of the property, this could, be, this could be a, a advantageous uh, approach. Advantage. It would be an advantage. Or an advantageous approach. Yeah. It's just... It's an advantage. But what I like to do, given, you know, the best case scenario... I like to have a food plot in the middle of the woods. Okay, I have a lot of these. They're they're great. Where you a can, lot? What would you call a lot? Well, I have one in each property that I hunt. Okay. So, two, three. Probably like well, then up at the big farm. Oh my goodness! There's a lot. Mm. So, if you can, sne- I, I never. I shouldn't say never. I. Very rarely will I walk through a field for a morning hunt. Not about it. But what I like to do, if given the perfect situation, can walk through the woods, wind to my face. So I'm walking, you know, into the wind the whole time, right to the edge of my hidden food plot. And I prefer a ladder stand in these situations. You can climb right up the ladder, not make a peep. I like to know the spot well so I can get in without a headlamp, not make a single ruckus. And I tell you what, it's great spot early archery season. And you got to get in there early. You got to get in there early because, you know, it's going to happen. You're going to bump a deer out of there every once in a while. Just all the cards aren't going to be in your favor. But if you get in there early enough, then, you know, it's still dark. The deer will feel comfortable filtering back in. And a lot of times, if you're close to bedding in these these hidden food plots, they'll they'll come for a late morning snack right before they go down to bed for the rest of the day. So, you know, it's it, these these aren't like a first light stand like you would think. Like a lot of times, I'll be in there. That's I guess how I set up, which we'll get into. It's it's like an an all or nothing setup for first light, but. 
like I said, we'll get there. So, yeah, you'll set up there, and, you know, a lot of times you'll hear deer that you can't see. You'll hear them out there in the food plot, and then as it gets light, you'll be able to see the deer, and, you know, there's not a deer out there that you want to shoot, and they all, they filter out, and a lot of people think, well, this hunt's over, but that's not the case. If you stick it out, you know, till 9, 10 o'clock, a lot of times you'll have deer that'll come to that food plot if it's close to bedding, get one quick snack before they head to bed for the, the heat of the day. And there's been times where I've been in these situations where I'm getting ready to climb down. It's like 1030, almost 11 o'clock. And I'm like, you know, I'm, this is probably it for me. And then as I'm packing up my bag, out comes some deer into the food plot to eat. So it's definitely, it's not an all or nothing first light stand like you would think. It's, they've, they've really done me good in the past. But if you don't have access to a, a food plot where you can get there strictly through the woods, then that's where I like to hunt, you know, in between a field and a bedding area otherwise known as a transition area but given the fact that you know we put a lot of time into managing our property i do like to put these these food plots in the middle of the woods anywhere that i hunt so i do have access to it so that's that's typically where i'm at nice so i'm big on transition areas um i the properties we hunt i mean they're pretty decent size but they're the majority of them are under 100 acres um which is for a whitetail that's a small plot i mean they can cover that kind of ground fast um so i don't typically like to you know hunt right inside bedding uh, i feel like there's a lot of room for air you can spook deer easily uh, so i try and stay out of there if at all possible but what i do uh, do. She said do do. <laughs> I paused long enough. Hopefully that doesn't count, but, uh, um, no, it counts. But, um, so what I like to do is I'm just going to go off of a buck that worked that this tactic worked on. Um, and it's how I do it. I've, it's worked for me before. I mean, obviously luck plays into a, hunting a lot. Um, but I'm just going to kind of go through the things I, I do on my checklist and then I will break it down on how that hunt went. First off, you want to get into the stand super early, you know, like at least an hour, hour and a half before sunrise. Um, that's important because the deer are going to typically still be at their food source, whether it's um, a food plot, uh, an oak flat apple tree, any sort of like their, their food source, that's where they're going to be still hopefully. Um, and what you're going to want to do is you're going to get in between that food source and their bedding. Um, and this is the kind of thing that you kind of over, over the years of using a, or hunting a property, you'll learn where their bedding is, where they feed at, um, or scouting, which is big. Um, we don't do a ton of scouting anymore on properties because we're Generally, we understand the properties we hunt. We know where the bedding areas are. We know where the food sources are because we put them there. Um, so like I said, get there hour to an hour and a half before daylight. 
and you're going to try and find a trail or a heavily traveled area, um, but close to their bedding and like, but it's like on their way from the food source. And what you're going to do is you're going to sit there, like I said, early, be ready. And then it's kind of an all or nothing spot I've found where they're going to be there within the first 45 minutes of light. How would you like the wind set up in this situation? So, so you're positioned in between food and bedding facing. Do you prefer to face the food, the bedding? Um, so for me, I try and hunt what like I would consider like a crosswind. Um, and I always try and set up my, so I do a lot of mobile setups, whether it's a climber or a lock on. Um, I even dabbled in ground hunting last year. Um, but for the most part, I like to, I like to bounce around. I like to change up the scenery. Um, so what I try and do is I put my most likely shot, um, which for me, I try and get into a mental state before every hunt that I'm going to kill that day. So what I do is I walk in and it's like, I try and figure, you know, I'm going to kill today. Where's that deer going to come from today? And I set that up on my left side. So I'm a right-handed shooter. So my strong side's my left side and I try and set it up so I don't even have to stand to shoot there. Um, so wind for that, um, you're going to want to try and find a crosswind. So the wind, so if you're, I guess if the trail that you're trying to shoot is going to be on your left side, if basically the wind's going to be hitting you, like, I guess would be probably like at your back, I guess, or I guess, I guess it depends on where the food and the bedding is. Um, this is going to get real complicated here if I don't figure out how to word this. Okay. Let's um, just say, yeah, give me a scenario and that, that's probably going to help me out. You're in between food and bedding. Okay. Mm -hmm. The bedding is to your north. The food is to your south. Bedding is to the south. Food to the north. Okay. Ideal wind. So that's going to want to put me, I guess, depending on the wind, I would set up on the east or west side of the trail that I feel that they're going to be using. Cause like a lot of time, like you can find those trails, like, um, after a snowstorm or after there's been a lot of rain, you can find those heavy trails, which anybody's seen a deer trail. Um, so if the wind is coming out of the West, so your sense blowing East, I'm going to be on the East side of the trail and vice versa for an East wind. Um, if there's you now, I do believe you can hunt that area. If your sense blowing to the bedding, because in theory, you're going to kill them before they get there. Um, so that's, I think is totally fine. The only thing is like, if your food source, you don't ever want your scent blowing to the food source in this morning setup, because I guess that's probably the easiest way to explain it. You can pretty much figure out a way to hunt. If you're going mobile, you can figure out a way to hunt that anytime, unless the, your scent's blowing over the food. Does that make sense? Yeah. I okay. got you now. Yeah. Sorry that I was... It's one of those things where like you, I've like written stuff down or wrote stuff down, however you want to call it. And like, I, it's easy to process in my brain, but to like speak it. So basically you can hunt them as long as your scent's not blowing over the food. And when my sense blowing and as long as you don't plan on passing anything up, because if you pass one up and it gets downwind to you. Yeah. I, get, I mean, there's that risk. Blow up your whole hunt. There, I mean, there's definitely that risk. 
Um, for me, we have enough properties to go to where if I can usually find a setup for my morning, uh, d doesn't matter what the wind is, I'll be able to figure out a way um, to hunt it. Um, I've, I've, there's a lot of guys talking about, you know, like hunting, like the wind that's best for the buck. And I don't necessarily believe that, you know, I they don't even know what that means. So like basically opposite of what we do. So we like, we hunt where the wind is in our favor. The, there's guys talking about hunting when it's like in the buck's favor and you basically are trying to just get just out of that wind as to where like they're going to pick it. They'll pick up your scent, you know, 10 yards past where you're supposed to kill them. And like, I, I just, I haven't looked into it enough or like really dove into it enough to really like give an honest opinion on it. But I've got enough bucks on the wall. I'm happy with the ones that are not on the wall. Um, they're like, on the wall. I mean, they're on the wall, but like, I feel like when I say on the wall, it should be a shoulder mount, but I do a lot of euros. Tom does a lot of euros. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, I guess my setup is I try and I big on transition areas. I try and stay out of bedding. Um, if at all possible, I just one, and I, I guess just as a disclaimer, me and Tom don't hunt specific deer. Um, like we don't pick out a deer before the season and pursue that animal specifically. Um, we have like a target, uh, like a hit list, if you will. Um, but we're not, or we're basically hunting areas where we feel that like a buck of the caliber we're comfortable shooting or want to shoot is going to be, and it's not necessarily a specific deer, but I guess that's my breakdown for how I hunt, uh, mornings in October. So I'll bounce it back to Tom and he can break down his evening setup because I feel like it's not a whole lot different than my morning setup. Oh, really? No. Food, baby. Okay, so yeah, we'll break yours down because mine's drastically different for what I do. So evening setup, you know, I, my whole thought process is a deer's got to eat. So mine I'll is, drink to that. Yeah, so why not hunt the food source? Um, but that, was, that came from deep. I can hear it. almost felt it. But I did feel it. This is where... I'm more apt to, I'll hunt the big bean field, I'll hunt the cut alfalfa, the clover field, or whatever the the big main food source is. Uh, like I was saying earlier in the morning, or earlier in the podcast, that, you know, those morning setups, you're kind of hunting those hidden food plots into the woods where you're catching them, coming from the main big field getting one last quick bite before they bed down for the afternoon. But in the evening, when, you know, you get out there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 95% of the time, probably 99% of the time, you're not going to blow anything out of the field walking in at 1.30 or 2 in the afternoon. You know what I mean? So that's when... I'll set up on the big bean field and this take, this is a little trickier because you have to have an idea of where the deer are going to be coming out because in archery season, you know, your window is really 40 yards or, you know, maybe 60 if you have a crossbow, but 
you could be hunting. That's for you to decide before season, obviously, like with yeah your shooting. But yeah. It's just ballpark. But anyhow, you could be hunting, you know, a 10-acre bean field or whatever. And, you know, you walk out there, climb up a tree. And, yeah, you're going to see 15, 20 deer. But they're all going to be 100 yards away. So it's like, well. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. wasn't really a. I mean, obviously, I think all hunts are successful if you learn something. But it's not going to be a hunt where you harvest something unless. Kill it. Yeah. You're not going to. Kill deer, harvest corn. Yeah. Well, anyhow. You got you to gotta put your time in and figure out where these deer are going to come out into the field. And really, there's two really good places to start. If there's a definite low spot, scent typically pulls down in the low spots. Um, so that's where the deer like to come out and you know get a good, a good whiff of the air, see if there's any threats out there. And there's also, if there's like a crown, you know, big crown, they'll come out on that crown so they can see the entire thing and see if there's any threats. Which I do, I do want to say real quick, um, like Tom's talking about these crowns. Um, we actually have put like built food plots into the woods um, like Tom likes to do. And you put them in almost like a lima bean shape um, to create these little points and stuff like Tom well, I mean, Tom's talking like elevation crowns and stuff, but, um, just, it made me think of it just like if you're deciding to put food plots in, in woods, if you build them in like a bean shape, it forces the deer to come out to that point. Um, so like Tom said, to see the entire food plot and you can set up your stand accordingly. Yeah. Usually we, we put all of our stands right at like the, the peak of the arch. Yeah. So, but yeah, I was, yeah. What I was saying was elevation. So if there's like a, a big crown, that they'll come out on top of that crown so they can see the entire field. So those are two good places to start, you know, a low spot or a high spot. Other than that, you know, you're just going to have to scout the area, watch the deer come out and, you know, see what trail there. I mean, cause you walk down a cornfield or something and you're just going to see deer trail after deer trail after deer trail. But some of them could be, you know, three, four, five years old that they're really not using anymore. They might be using one harder this year than they were last year. So you just got to put the time in and figure out where they're coming out into the field and set up accordingly. And a lot of the times it's tricky too because big mature bucks, they will come out into a field with the wind you know, to their face so they can smell anything that's out in the field. So you have to, it's, it's a gamble. It's, it's almost like what I was talking about, like giving the bucks, like hunting the bucks, advantageous wind, um, setting up in a place that, you know, he's going to come in, but by the time he crosses where you can kill him, like your scent may not have hit him. Um, and this is, I think where thermals come into play and where using like milkweed can be, a helpful tool because you know that you might the buck might be downwind of you but depending on how high you are in the tree your scent actually may be going over where they're uh, traveling so just because the wind's blowing it to the south um, 
if you're 20 foot in a tree, it take it, the, your scent doesn't go straight to the ground and then across the field. You know, it's like an angle. So using like thermals and milkweed will show you, well, use the milkweed to understand like where your scent's going. So you can set up to where, yeah, your wind, your scent might be blowing that way, but where the deer is going to cross is actually not where your scent's going, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just, I wouldn't, you know, just, just to make things, simplify things, um, you got a perfectly square food plot, okay? And the wind is coming out of the west, blowing to the east. I would not set up on the east side of that food plot in the middle because a lot of times the deer... They're going to come in on the downwind they'll side. They'll come in on the downwind side and they'll walk the whole so perimeter... You're gonna- you going to hunt the north or south side? Correct. Okay, because yes. like I was going to say, for me, you don't really want to set up on the west because your scent just blows over the field. Yeah, then it's blown over the entire field. So I would set up on the north or the south side because a lot of the times what the deer will do is they'll they'll scan that whole downwind side, checking anything that's out there. And a lot of times if... Now here's a thought. Um, if you were... Say you, if they're going to scent check it... Um, which they'll do the same thing like on bedding, but like they're going to be usually like I've read and from what I've seen, like 25 to like 40 yards roughly um, off the edge of the field or the bedding when they're scent checking. Um, do you think like maybe setting up 35 yards inside the woods on the downwind side? So you're giving the buck his advantage. He's going to, He's going to be scent checking, but where he comes in, like to scent check the field, you're set up there. And by the time he crosses where your scent's at, he's in bow range and you can kill him. I do that all the time during the rut. During the rut? Yeah. Because okay. That what they, they'll scent check it for does. Yeah. Or like doe bedding or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'll hunt. Yeah. I'll do the same thing for okay. food sources it, or bedding. I just wanted to throw that at you because like. It, I like I use it for the rut too, but now I'm starting to think like that could work in October hunting a food source. Oh, it, yeah, um, it definitely could. That's not what I do, but it's something I might try this year now that I think about it because like the rut, you use that knowledge to set yourself up where a buck's probably going to travel um, scent checking. But it, I mean, they're essentially they're scent checking still in yeah. October just for different reason. So you could still use that. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's the biggest. They're scent checking for does in danger. If double D's, baby. Yep. Does in danger. That that could be a T-shirt. I don't really know what it means. Does in danger. Double D's, baby. Yeah, I mean it. I mean you're the dominant catchy. buck, right? Yeah. I'm the dominant the dominant buck. I'm I'm after two things: double D's, baby. Does in danger. Yeah. Yeah, I could be, that's a movement I could get behind. The double D movement? Yeah. Perfect. I'm on it. But, yeah, so that's, yeah, my approach. So, I mean, i pretty much similar with Tom when it comes to uh, October hunting. It's a lot of field edge, food sources and stuff. And, like, if there's not, like, a food plot, um, in an area like the one property we hunt's loaded with oaks, um, so you can do the same thing on a food source. Like any food source will work. Like 
if it's an apple orchard, if, you know, if like you've got, you know, oak trees that are bearing acorns this year, um, you can do all of this around that. But we have a lot of food plots, um, beans and turnips and radishes, whatever we got. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah. pretty much very similar to what Tom, uh, what, what he does, um, which I mean, we do hunt kind of similar, but we also try different things ourselves and see what works and doesn't work. Yeah. So. I shouldn't have said a, a hidden food plot. I, I should say a hidden food source because yeah, I, I always try and hit that because you know, just because like you don't have to plant a food source, yeah, you know, if you like, have a nice Oak flat or a apple orchard. Those work. Yeah. What's tough about our, the farm I'm referring to like up at Morrison, what we call, um, is there's so many Oaks that yeah. you can't really pinpoint like, this is the one they're going to travel with. Like it is literally loaded with white oaks and it makes it very difficult to hunt. Um, yeah. If there's a year with a good acorn crop, it's, it's like walking on marbles in the woods yeah. and that's not even exactly. I won't really even waste my time hunting the fields because they don't have to come, come out. out into the field until after dark because they got yeah. all the food that they want. Yeah. And it's all white oaks. That's what's crazy. Um, for the most part, but, um, so yeah, any food source will work, whether it's, you know, oaks, apples, pears, duck, potatoes, whatever, um, whatever the food source is that they're eating on. So the last thing me and Tom wanted to talk about was, uh, hunting in the rain. Um, I can't say I actually, me and Tom killed on the same night in a rainstorm with our bows about four years ago at our buddy's camp. Right, but it wasn't. It was just before a rainstorm. It was just starting when yeah we got into tracking mine. Yeah, what um, I'm saying is when we killed, it was just before. Yeah, so like rains hit. in the forecast though. Yeah. Um. So for me, um, I'm not a huge fan of hunting in the rain with a bow. With a rifle, I'll do it all day long. Yeah, but I will do it. Because, you know, time, I, my time in the woods is limited and if the conditions are right and it's supposed to rain, I'm putting my rain gear on and I'm going to hunt as long as it's not a torrential downpour. Um, reason being like, I guess for the reason I'm skeptical with hunting in the rain during archery season is loss of blood trail. Um, obviously if I put an arrow in a deer, I want to find it. I want to find it quick and adding rain is it's just it's very difficult um i remember with tom's uh doe that he killed we got a torrential downpour after he had shot um we got on it late because he was over helping me with my buck um, and it just started to rain by the time we found mine so we didn't even get on blood until there wasn't hardly any blood on tom's but he knew he made a good shot um and i ended up I tracked for a little while and then me and my buddy got my buck out of the woods and Tom and our other buddy continued on the trail and you guys ended up just like walking upon it. Like you didn't follow a blood trail. The next mor- we it was the next morning. Out, yeah. Because we, it was dark. It was raining. Like it was crazy. pouring. Yeah. We couldn't see anything. So we just decided, you know what? I, I know I smoked this deer double lung. I watched the direction she ran. I thought I heard a crash, but well, I mean, I, I, we just could not find it, so we were just going to 
basically start from scratch in the morning in the light when we could see and just go from where I hit it and just basically grid search the whole area where the direction I seen her run and heard her crash. And we, we did find her, but it's just not not the ideal track job that you, you hope for. So I guess I mean, bottom line is um, if you're going to hunt in the rain, which it's risky, I'm not going to deny it, um, be sure of your shot. That's the biggest thing. Make a, like, maybe make sure that them bucks are inside 20 yards or something. Like, don't be taking these long, risky shots that you might have to track, you know, 600 yards or something. Like, make sure you are, I mean, just dead on this deer. It's going to be a double longer that's going to be, you know, 100 yards. Be done. Um, I mean, if you're inside 100 yards and you got a group of buddies to grid search with you, you should be okay finding that deer i'm not gonna say you're gonna find it every time yeah but get somebody that knows how to track too i mean that's big um i guess just for me like i'm not gonna tell you not to hunt in the rain because we hunt in the rain um and blood's blood's thick um yeah you're gonna see it in a little bit but i mean a torrential downpour will wash a blood trail a little you know i get for me sprinkle or even like a, a a light rain i would say isn't going to wash a blood trail away very quickly. No, that's true. I mean, I just, I guess for me, like I'm not against hunting in the rain, but make sure you know, it's like, you should be sure you're shot every time, but you know, shit happens. Um, some of the best hunts are right before a rain. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, you're the the front's coming in that, that pressure change. Um, a lot of times before rain, there's a temperature drop. So you get that temperature drop with a pressure rise and, they're they're on their feet. Yeah, so it's a really good time to be in the woods. Put your rain gear on, get out there. Is I guess what I would say about hunting in the rain. I think the just while we're talking about hunting October and stuff, I think the October lull is a bunch of BS. Well, I don't even know what that is. You never heard of the October lull? No. So it's a thing where people think that like they're literally like I've you know. Part of the reason I wanted to talk about this is because, like, some of the Facebook groups I was talking about, guys are, like, don't, like, they don't hunt mornings in October. They don't really hunt much of October because, like. Not, not really into it. Yeah, neither am I. Like, they think that, like, they just, they are, like, nocturnal, basically, and they don't move. And I think what happens is people, like, they start hunting, and then they put all this pressure on the deer, so then they do change their pattern a little bit. But they keep going to the same stupid ladder stand every single day. And wonder why it's been there for 18 years. Yeah. Well, so you go in there the first weekend of the year. Yeah. The deer that are on that pattern are going to walk by, but then you go in there the next day and then the next day and the next day you put too much pressure and too much scent in there. And then all of a sudden the deer change their pattern and people are like, Oh, you know, like there's deer just aren't moving. No, they're moving like a hundred yards over. You just don't know it. And that's where I think being mobile is extremely advantageous is because I, I just, I follow what I'm seeing basically. And like, I, I hunt very instinctively when it comes to like, I put my stand on my back, I head for a general area. And if I f- like last year, um, walking through an area that I was in the day before a scrape, had opened up that wasn't there the day before I set up right on it. Um, I had a buck come blowing through chasing a doe, um, that I couldn't get a shot off, but I mean, it was there, you know? And I think that's 
I know a big part of October is like you can't just sit the same stands over and over and over again. You got to get out there and find where the movement's happening because a deer can't sit all day. Like they they can't. They're gonna get up. They might move twenty five thirty yards, but they're they're gonna get up. Yeah, that came across the mic, Tom. Thanks. So you bet, guys. Um, that pretty much that's about all I have to say for tonight. Um, sorry, this is a little bit shorter of a podcast, but. It's variety. Tom, you got anything, any closing remarks? No, just get out there this October and have a good time out there. That's what it's all about. Join it. Good deal. Um, I do want to give a friendly reminder. If you haven't picked up your bow and started shooting, um, do it now. Start shooting your bow. Like it's crunch time. Like a month ago. You know, we've been shooting all summer long. But uh, if you haven't picked it up, here's your reminder to pick it up and start shooting. Um, and uh, that's really, actually, Tom, you think about it, it's like the perfect excuse to get outside. <laughs>